You look amazing. Thank you. You you look absolutely positively fucking radiant. And I just want to say thank you for being on another episode of The Full Set. Thank you for having me. This is episode number 29 of The Full Set. And I am your amazing, bodacious host, the Didi Delgado. And I'm here with my esteemed colleague, Luana Morales. Luana, how are you doing today? I'm good. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Oh, why you say good like you was like good? Like <laughs> we pulled um are you calling them oracle cards? What are they? I don't know. I forgot the name of the deck. Okay. But here we here we have our sacred card that we pulled before getting started today. And so um I just want to introduce you because I feel like you pulling that card is the affirmation. We already knew what it was. The ancestors set up this conversation, but you pulling that card is more is more of an affirmation for me. I don't even know. I was like, still up until this point, I was like, will we be able to pull off this conversation and the important work that's about to happen in this conversation? And the ancestors are like, here you go, your Ashe. Here go your Ashe. So if it's, all, <laughs> if it's all right with you, I want to introduce you. And then I'm going to invite you to do something for me, for you, for us, all the viewers watching, if that's okay. Absolutely. Okay. So Luana Morales is a birth and bereavement doula, a death midwife, a circle keeper, a spiritual coach, efficient, 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 efficient. Efficient, Reiki master teacher and herbal apprentice devoted to reclaiming our birth, death, and Afro-Indigenous healing practices. She creates containers that support reflection, experimentation, healing, learning, collaboration, and joy for our individual and collective liberation, be it through individual sessions, group facilitation, workshops, or retreats. Luana, my love. Welcome to the full set. Thank you. Excited to be here and forever nervous whenever I do these things. <laughs> no, we fam, we fam, we fam. Mm -hmm. I would like to maybe mitigate some of that energy because I was thinking how um, this week has been hard for a lot of people. It's only Tuesday. And if people didn't know that that's what day it is, you're welcome. Um, so it's only Tuesday and it's been a terrible week. Um, and we are trying to find the joy in things. And the more news comes out, the more loss we experience. Um, and not just loss of people, but just loss of things that we have been attached to and learning how to grieve that. I think about how this has been a terrible month, how it was a terrible two months, how the 2020 that I thought was about to be on and popping has popped just in a different way. <laughs> And I just want to know if it's okay. I, I think that I can lean on you for this assistance. If you could lean us, lead us through a grounding exercise. I did one with Lawrence. And surprisingly, I got over my like inhibitions about having my first conversation with him. So like if you and I could do this and that way we could set the tone for people who are joining us or people who will listen later, that would be really helpful for me. And I hope y'all agree with that. If y'all agree, give a clap. Okay. All mm -hmm. right. Thank you. All right. All right, so I'm going to invite you to soften your gaze or close your eyes or take a sip. Both. Yeah, and 
and just anchoring wherever you've chosen to sit. Making contact with the earth. So whatever part, so if it's your feet, hear the cross and cross them. And just feel yourself uh, making contact with the earth and being perfectly held. And breathing into that connection. Anything that feels overwhelming, that feels like a burden on your heart. I want you to breathe it into the earth. One of our great mothers who has the capacity to hold all of it. Any tension any flutters of fear. Breathe it out and give it up as a sacred offering. So in this sacred time that we're going to be here tonight, creating the container to hold whatever may come up in questions and in stories, to hold our curiosity and to hold our pain. And know, and may you experience proof that we're in this together, not just in the suffering, but also in the imagining a different way. where joy exists, where genius exists, where infinite possibilities exist in the middle of everything that feels hard, that we feel powerless over. So together, calling in the, the strength and the power of the ancestors that survived so we can be here in this moment. Feeling their love and calling in the, the support of the benevolent ones that walk with us, whatever your tradition is. And if you don't subscribe to a particular tradition, we know that, that the earth nourishes us and feeds us. And may we be in, in reciprocity. So in our walks, with our meals, let us say thank you. To the waters, let us say thank you. And from this grounded and connected space, let us begin. Ooh. Thank you. Thank you. I want to just dig right into the work. I want to ask you, what made you want to become a birth and bereavement doula? And what is the difference? Because in my mind, I'm like, Luana is a birth and death doula. Number one, what is a doula, right? 
I don't know. I, I like wanted one during my pregnancy. I was like, I have to have one. If white women can have one, I can get one too. And it was just a mess. Um, but what is a doula? Um, how is it different from a midwife? And like, why did you choose to focus on not just birth, but bereavement and um, death? So um, a doula, you know, it's like the, the, like the Greek word for, um, you say like woman who helps, right? Um, and, you know, there's nothing like seeing a child born, you know, um, like the like the impact of that experience that makes you just, well, if that, you know, if for some of us, you're like, oh, I want to, I want to be close to that. I want to, I want to, I want to be part of this in some way. Um, the first birth that I attended, I was a teenager. It was my homegirl's mom who was like staying with us because they had moved mm -hmm. and, and, you know, the system over there sucked for them. So they came back to give birth. They stayed with us. And so that was like my first, I was 16 and I was translating for her at the hospital. Oh, wow. And we skipped school. I skipped school that day. You were like, yeah. And I got to see this, this, this miracle. Fast forward, you know, having my own children, you know, and I, I just, I just fell in love with, mm. with the power of, of pregnancy of like what that means to, um, to populate the earth with a person who is going to make ripples that someone is going to fall in love with that is going to just transform you. Um, why I became a doula was because just like the pain of seeing so many black and brown women um, and birthing, you know, birthing people dying um, and so much infant mortality. Right. And I mean, we know, we know what happens in the medical system with us, right? So I wanted to, I wanted to contribute something. I wanted to be of service in that way. So as a birth and bereavement doula, the bereavement part is specifically connected to pregnancy loss okay. and to, um, and to like stillborn, you know? Um, so it's, you know, because that's the other thing. Uh, like, I'm, I, I feel like my role in my work has been to meet people at, at crossroads and to meet people in places mm -hmm. of darkness. Right. I'm comfortable there. So, you know, so, so many, so many people have lost pregnancies and, you know, have had to talk themselves out of the pain that it still causes them years right. later, you know, so whether it's like someone just found out they were pregnant and they might lose their pregnancy a week later or six weeks later, if you feel grief, it's valid and it's true and you deserve to take as much time as you need to feel it and for that life to be acknowledged, if, if, you know, if that was important to you. Um, so either through, you know, supporting kind of like one-on-one -on -one through healing work or through ritualizing and honoring 
um, if that's what the person wants and needs for their own healing process. So that's my work as a birth and bereavement doula. Thank you. And when you say, um, I think of like how I know you, you're a Reiki master teacher and an herbal apprentice and you're the officiant and all of these things. But I know something about you that you don't like the bios, you don't like calling yourself an herbalist or, or a homeopath or anything of the, because you're like, the, yes, I want people to know, but like, why don't you like calling yourself a healer when your words and your presence is so healing? There are certain titles that community gives you because you earn it. So, 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 okay. so, like, so like, so I don't, um, and, and again, this isn't, this isn't shade. This isn't like, if you no, tell the tea, you don't have to stand under the tree. Go ahead, baby. Well, no, 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 no. I mean, but this is like, this is my belief, you know, like everybody's path is their path. What, um, what I just feel like is that the way that I think healing work and all of these things have been commodified, have been, um, exp you know, can sometimes be exploitative. Uh, a lot of harm is caused. So I feel like I am of service to community and, um, and it's like a very sacred relationship. Um, and sometimes like all of the titles just kind of um and and the need to prove or perform mm. um i think sometimes it get, gets in the way of the work um and i think for me also i because i'm shy and, and, I'm, and i'm introverted i don't like to talk that much like i do not you know people will be like so what's like your your, your elevator speech like no. You're like, what? <laughs> I'm uncomfortable. <laughs> no, no, no. We're not going to do that. We're not going to do that. However, if you're like, if you want to have the hard conversations, I'm here for it. Right. You know? Um, yeah. So, so I think that that's why, like, I personally have like a, a, a discomfort. I mean, I know that a lot of this is like, this is the language that we use. This is, um, so if you want to communicate what it is that you do and for people to understand and how they can engage with you and all of these things. But, but I, but personally, like I, it's something that, that I try to, you know, unless I'm like trying to describe it, right. Because there's something that feels like sometimes all this talking gets in the way of the work. Mm. That's a quotable. Someone just tuned in. I think she's so excited because uh, she said she was so excited. Noika said, yes, she believes that um, they believe that doulas save lives and men hearts. And Nikita said, thank you. Uh, I'm going to be following you. She's a new rebirth doula, a rooted birth and lactation advocate and mm. began with her own journey birthing as a black woman. And so I just think about um, like what that means to be in community surrounding like a smaller community of um, joy and trauma and its own haphazardness. And I guess y'all doulas have this doula language because y'all get so hyphy when y'all be around each other. Like, yes, sis. Like, I mean, so it who else gets excited about that though? <laughs> I don't. <laughs> well, 
<laughs> exactly. I I feel like I feel like it's like the same thing with like like my birth work community. And also wanted to say that my bereavement work also lifts up and supports folks who have elected to terminate a pregnancy. So I wanted to like no judgment, full love and full support for all of those. So just and yours, are you saying that? And I'm just asking as someone who has had an abortion, are you saying that as like it the grief is still valid, right? A lot of times healthcare professionals don't really care about you after the uh, surgical procedure or the procedure to um, terminate a pregnancy. And so are you saying to me right now that those feelings are valid and they matter no matter how long ago they were, it was yes. or what have you? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I really like you. Totally. <laughs> I, really like you. I mean, I mean, I mean, I've had, I've, I've held space for someone who, um, who had an abortion, you know, and like maybe like 20 years later, as they were kind of transitioning um, mm -hmm. around, you know, their ability to have children and they wanted, and, and, and we had a ceremony and we honored, you know, that, that life, because that's what she needed in order to, to kind of, to heal and to, and to move to the next chapter of her life. But yes, birth workers. Yes. Because we could talk about all sorts of things. And like the same thing with like other folks who do death work, you know, there's like certain things that you could joke about, or, you know, there's like a certain dark humor. I think when, 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 when you're like dealing with these two extremes and all of the possibilities in that work. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's good to have your people so you can say crazy shit. Yes. They love it <laughs> today. Um, Catherine Parsons asked a question. Mm -hmm. I want to ask you, cause I don't want to forget. Um, but I want to segue into this. Um, Catherine said, uh, she is curious if you could share how you refill your cup because your role is to give and take care of others. So how do you make sure you do that and still maintain your own safety, especially with your mental health because self-care as such is thrown around and I'm curious how you feel about it. It's mm -hmm. such a thrown around word. And mm -hmm. I wanted to ask you something similar along those lines, but as a death midwife and as a bereavement doula, and as someone who has a project that you're working on where you're honoring, like I told you all the time, I'm like, I will talk to you about everything else. When we talk about death, you're weird. And there needs to be a weirdo because who else is going to deal with it, you know? Um, but you have taught me so much about loss and how death is connected, whether it's in the physical or metaphysical sense. So can you just speak to like, why is such a why is death such a dark subject would be my question um, it's a dark subject why is it perceived as a dark subject and why does it make people uncomfortable and also dealing with so much there's birth trauma there's there's happiness the the stuff that people don't tell you about having a baby um and then there's all sorts of stuff but then when you speak about death because it's so compacted and, and tucked away into our bodies and, and in, into our society is something we don't speak about and we're supposed to get over quickly. Um, how do you replenish yourself when you're so busy healing but not healing other people? I'm going by your words, not mine. Mm. Um, yeah, thank you for that question. Uh, boundaries. You got boundaries? That's a whole nother conversation. Um, <laughs> You know, there's there's energetic boundaries that you you know that it's important that I set. Okay. Um, 
And, and yes, filling the cup for me looks like sitting at my altar and, 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 and the deep commitment that I have to my practice. Um, I think that what, what gives me the, the nourishment and the vitality to, um, to do this work and not, and not get burned out. I mean, like the thing that burns me out the most is this like, like right now is like Zoom calls, but <laughs> the, the work itself, I think anybody who is of service, the moment that you think that you are, and, and, I, and I think this is why I make that distinction around, like, I don't like calling myself a healer. My role in all of, or my job in all of my roles is to create the conditions for, to support the conditions for healing to happen. To, um, to be able to create the safe environment, okay. whether it's birth, that person is going to birth with or without me there. That body knows exactly what to do. That baby knows exactly what to do they are doing like their sacred dance with each other, right? The contractions are bringing the baby down and, you know, like the baby releases a hormone to let the mother's body know that they're coming. So things get started. I mean, oh, wow. obviously, um, you know, birth is super medicalized and, right. um, and there's like so many factors, but let's say kind of acknowledging that, but, um, but this, our bodies know what to do with, you know, with, with healing. Let's see, I'm doing, I'm doing some like energy work with someone um, or kind of, you know, what I've named like spiritual coaching. There is, there is like, my role is to see maybe what the person isn't seeing. Mm. It's to, um, it's to help create the conditions for folks to silence to chatter enough to hear their own wisdom. To but hear their own wisdom. This ain't about me being like supernatural and being like, bam, this is this is like the secret recipe. It's about listening to you closely enough to hear your answer in your own words and reflect that back to you. That's it. You're a little witchy. I just want to let you know in case you weren't aware. Just saying. <laughs> I'm a good listener. That's what I know. <laughs> That's the magic. That's the magic. Sometimes I feel like a lot of healers um, listen to put their credentials back on the table. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, well, and, and I feel like um, if I could just share my personal experience with you, thank you. I, well, I wanted to ask your permission. I don't want to just tell all our business. Um, there was when I was with child, the one that's upstairs sleeping, finally, um, when I was a child, um, I was very nervous. Um, like I had never been able to sustain a pregnancy and I had been trying, I was married before and I was trying very hard to have children and none were sticking. And, and with Egypt, I didn't tell anybody for a long time because there was shame around that and I was no longer married. And also, um, 
I was afraid to lose my baby, you know? Um, and so when Egypt was here, that was traumatizing. And I remember speaking with you and you were like, querida, like you always do. <laughs> just You're just always very loving. And I think if I could describe your love, you have used the word container so often. Your love is the ability to hold other people who cannot hold themselves. And it doesn't mean that the person is unstable. It just means that sometimes the load is too heavy. Sometimes you need a scaffold. I need support during my pregnancy and even after my pregnancy. And you called me and you said, querida, we have um, a ceremony every month or so, and but this one is special and I wanna invite you. And I was like, I'm not going to your bullshit, Luana. Like I'm not doing it. Uh, but something told me and you, we already know what something is now, but back in 2017, I wasn't, I think, no, it was the end of 2016, it was December, 2016. Egypt wasn't even a month old yet. And I wasn't really like involved in my spirituality. Um, I knew that I knew stuff, but I didn't know where it was coming from. Uh, I thought it was just more of a profit than anything else. And I suddenly told me, you need to go to this. And so begrudgingly, I went. And you had a full moon circle. So I'm going to ask you to explain what that is, because you are a circle keeper. Um, you are a container keeper. And I think that people need to know what that is to expand their ideology of what healers do. Um, that's my community for you, by the way, what healers do. Because when I got there, it was, you had a ceremony for like the new moon, but it was, or the full moon, but it was like, the first time I was seen as a mom by like someone who wasn't medicalizing my story. Mm -hmm. It was the first time that Egypt was honored. It's gonna make me cry too. <laughs> and I'm not sure what I have done in this world to deserve that privilege because I know so many people go through such shitty pregnancies and have really terrible parenting experiences. But the community that I was surrounded by in 2016 looked for me. And that is also in container. And you all were like just surrounding me. I mean, it could have been anybody else, but it was like, maybe, I don't know. It was just Egypt that one time and just me that one time, but you were just honoring all the moms and I was the only mom there. And like, just, I won't describe the ceremony because to me it's very sacred, mm -hmm. but the fact that all of these women and non-men from the community came together to bear witness, to see me, to see my child, I will never forget that. You have created, I feel like I tend to block joy because I don't deserve it. And when you was, um, when we were talking about circle processes, you were like, I was like talking about one of the grief circle processes we've done for a mom. And you were like, and also your full moon circle process. And I was like, like, you know? And so I just wanted to say that the work you do, I know everybody could blow up smoke up your ass, but the work that you do is so important. I feel you being a container 
was a safety net for me to experience and expand upon what my journey and what my child's journey is going to be. I have told people before, Egypt now walks out the door and kisses Allegua goodbye. And she says, bye warriors. You understand what I'm saying to you? This is a child that I'm raising in the ways in which I wish I someone would have unpacked for me a long time ago. And it was because of you and the black and brown women in that room that just made me feel like I felt like a warrior. You understand what I'm saying to you? But it felt like a sacred right. And I will never forgive you for igniting that in me. And I appreciate you forever for it. And I just had to say that. Um, yeah. Thank you. I mean, thank you for the privilege. You know, um, Evan had circled in a couple of months, you know, just COVID and, you know, um, but full moon ceremony for the last, and I, and in, I don't know, maybe five or six years now um, is a place where, yeah, women and non-men and gender non-conforming, non-binary. Come on, healer, intersectional healer. Yeah. Yeah, well, we all need that that space, and 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 I think this is part, and I don't think this is part of the reclamation work. Um, you know, we we circled, we um, we connected to the moon, and um, and we celebrated rites of passage. You know, and you gave us the gift of coming with Egypt as a first time mama, that precious baby who happened to be a girl child. Um, and I was gifted with, with the song to be sung to. Yeah, the song. Yeah. You know, so um, it's to be sung uh, for, for a mother or, or parent when they, when they have their, their child. Uh, and it's sung to um, a girl when she's born, when they have their first moon, and when they become a mother. <sighs> so thank you for the privilege. Um, because when we do these things in community, it's not just for you, but that song, you know, time traveled to, you know, the mothers who didn't get that who didn't have their motherhood celebrated, for the little girls um, who, who, who wanted to experience that community love. So like each time that we gather in this way, um, it's for the people there, but we're time traveling, right? So like all of the suffering, you know, that we've inherited. So like the prayer is always, you know, may, may this medicine that we're co-creating travel to the original wound of our lineage mm. you know so that it can interrupt interrupt that that thing that's that we don't want to be part of our legacy okay so you know and it's like the opportunity to like dream together and to turn up together and to you know there was a lot of drumming there was a lot of drum there might have been some twerking too i mean <clears throat> i sake yo sacred <laughs> turn up all day yeah you know i'm saying there's room for all the things. It's yes. like test is yes, whatever, but yes, let's work. I like how you said that it was sort of like time trap. Excuse me, I'm still choked up. 
Um, I like how you said that it was sort of like time traveling. Um, my other esteemed colleague, Dr. Shamel Bell says that it's quantum activism, you know, like quantum mm. physics and quantum activism. Yeah. Yes. And I think about just the ways in which we have to, we say that we're imagining a world in which we want to live um, and honoring Black women and honoring brown women and honoring motherhood and honoring uh, the the necessity to terminate pregnancies, which is what um, Abelina, thank you for. She said, we don't talk enough about how valid your feelings around grief are, even if you choose to terminate a pregnancy. Yes. yes so she yes, said, thank yes. you for holding space mm -hmm. for that. Because there's a lot of shame around it. Um, I've gotten over my shame. I was 17. It's too young. It's too young. Um, and so... Um, and I think about now, what would I be doing with two children? Oh my goodness, I hate it already. So there's that. But um, I know that you have used your circle processes as a form of activism. And again, you like shirk the word activism, you know, but I look at you as someone that the community calls on when we need mediation, when there's been harm, when there's trauma, when there's sadness. You know, another thing, I feel like you just gonna be in my life forever. Another thing that you were very present for was last year when we lost Kahari um, and when he took his life. And I think about just like, I don't know what your own container is, Lou, you know, because you just show up and you say, what does the community need? And you do this thing where you're like community, yeah. And what do you need as an individual? Because the larger community can be separated and fragmented. And also how do you center yourself and ground yourself? And that's that's a fucking gift, Lou. And I, I hope you know, like you are fulfilling whatever you were put on this earth for. And I appreciate you. Thank you. Thank you. My best friend got me some tissues because she know I'm out here losing my shit and my mascara. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so I want to shift gears for a second if I can, because, you know, I know that me and you have the tendency to be goofy. Oh, um, yeah. So I want to ask you, what things are you experimenting with right now? What brings you joy? Like what's, what's on the Lou gravy train for making things happen for you? I know you went to plants and shit, but like, what brings you joy? Like, how do you delve into your pleasure? Making medicine, dancing, um, like, yeah, just like really luxuriating in things. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So getting, like taking, taking the time to put on freaking red lipstick because it brings me joy, you know, moisture. Your lipstick looks amazing, first of all. I feel like you moisturize before. Thanks. Yes, come on, Vogue, bitch. So I feel like you moisturize. I feel like the you got in the crevices. <laughs> it was not ashy and you was minding your motherfucking business. So thank you. Look, look. You know, in, in the middle of, of all of the things, the, you know, I feel like the, the land is always the refuge. Um, you know, uh, so like, yeah, being in, in communication and relationship with the land and it gets so exciting to be that it's warm enough to, to get my hands in the soil. Um, and yeah, and, and dance and music and 
Well, then writing and books. Oh my God, books. I was going to ask you about books. What are you reading currently? You know, so I'm trying to, I try to, I read too many damn things at the same time. Yeah. So I am trying to, um, you know, I'm like forever. (laughs) (laughs) That's me. You see those books that are out of place right here behind me? It's because I'm like, oh, let me go show them to somebody real quick. Yeah. This, this is, this is, this is the stack next to me. Mm. Come on, the body is not apology. Uh, Sonia Renee Taylor is coming to the show next week. So yes, I'm gonna be up in here. Um, <laughs> um, so yeah, books give me pleasure. I am reclaiming rest. Mm. I am reclaiming rest, you know, um early and you know, during like the shutdown, I was sick. So it was funny because you know, it's, you I know, called you. I thought you had the Rona. Remember I was like this. Yo, I didn't know. Maybe, maybe not. You know, it was during a time that we, like no one was getting tested. Right. But I was a rap for like three weeks and it just, I mean, going from like one room to the, to the other and going up the stairs, I'm like, yo, I'm tired. I need a nap. So again like I took that as a as a um as a hint like yo you need to you need to create your boundaries and rest and not and not wait till I'm falling apart Mm. but like rest as like a source of pleasure as a as a I feel like it so I'm gonna do it you know come on I said what I said yeah um and be non-apologetic about it because in order for me to do this work and be an in integrity and be able to be of service in the way that I want to, like, I need to be okay. I need to be full. I need to, um, like, we all deserve that mm. of each other. Right. So, and I need to, um, like, how am I being an in integrity? Am I embodying what I'm talking about? And not from a place of like, need to be a good girl and uh, 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 right like not like that <laughs> but la Marad, um the other day you know spoke about like aspiring goodness mm. and i really appreciate that because you know when we're aspirational you know towards something there is room for the full spectrum of our humanity you know for the ratchet for the goofy for the silly for the quiet for the shy I'm glad you said it because people be acting like they do not have space for the ratchet and I'm like what does that mean for us Mm-mm. yeah anybody who's like too on over like at, at, at each polarity I'm like oh oh because <laughs> oh. <laughs> it's limiting yeah it's so limiting and again I think because because I have the privilege of being with people in really vulnerable moments. Um, it's important that like, I be real with myself and, um, and nourish and nurture myself in the ways that I need to, so I could show up and, and do what I could do. I have a question. Yeah. And it's not my question, I promise you. Because I'd be like, I, you know how I know it's not my question? 
Cause I'd be like, can I say that? <laughs> I'd be asking niggas, can I say that? <laughs> like, you know what I'm like, so if someone wants to embark on a healing journey, and this is kind of like the parallel along when people are like, you can't love somebody unless you love yourself, or you need to be a whole person. And like, no one wants a broken person. And, and I'm like, sometimes people need to be loved in their brokenness. People need to be met where they're at, you know, that like we're disposing of people by telling them your trauma has you unlovable. <laughs> you got to mm. fix it. Like, you know, mm. um, so that's one thing. The second thing is if someone were to come to you and be like, Lou, I want to be a healer. I feel like I have a calling on my life. And you and I have talked about this. I'm like, I'm not talking to nobody about nothing until it's been 10 years because I don't want no one trying to come for me so that I could be like, well, let me tell you something. And I had a reading the other day and I got read for filth. That's what and she was like, one. you supposed to be doing X, Y, and Z. You're not doing it. I'm being told. The, and I was just shocked that all my business was out in, in these, uh, ethereal streets like you know what I'm saying like and but she's right I have all of these tools and I'm just so afraid of being that open I'm super vulnerable but am I honest with myself that's the difference you know what I'm saying like and I like how you said that you're with people in their vulnerability but you have to do a self-check and a self-reflection and so can someone be loved while being in transition of all the things that they found about themselves or were taught about themselves to be mm -hmm. unlovable. And can someone be a healer? I wrote a poem yesterday about somebody I really am infatuated by. And I said, there's nothing more dangerous than a healer in need of healing. And I was talking about myself, uh, but like, can, like, is there like, you know, I hear about the struggle witches and, and things like that. Like, do we need to be a certain caliber or is that paying into respectability politics? It depends. Okay. Okay, mamas. There's like a whole spectrum to it. Again, um, when we have, again, can, it's not about, no one has all their shit together. No one, no one, right? Um, Why do you think some people appear like it and never speak about it? Is it taboo to, to say I don't have my shit together? Um, yeah, for some folks. Mm. I mean, I feel like, I mean, there, there, again, it's like a lot of pressure to perform, which is yeah. why when we're like, I got my healer cape on. I got like my- What, not the healer cape? Okay. Hold on, you know- <laughs> You know what I'm saying? I got like, my, I got like come on, courts. Come on, come on, sir. You know what I'm saying? I have all of the, I have all of the crystals and all of the thing. And that is like so much freaking pressure. That is so yeah. much. Dale, dale. Again, again, because it is not okay. So there's like a bunch of things that we're tangling up here. So we, as practitioners have a certain responsibility. If we are to be of service to others, to at least in the moment that we are meeting them. Like you, as, if you're not in right relationship with yourself or you're not in right relationship with spirit and you're out there causing harm, mm -hmm. that is dangerous, right? So, so I think that there's a difference between like 
I am feeling called to be of service in this way. And yes, be a student. Yes, do the work. Yes, 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 yes. Right. When spirit is whispering to you to like go in a particular direction or like opens up the El Camino, um, the pathways, right? Where so the conditions and the people, right, for your to support your nerd, your like your your learning and your development. Right. Yes. This whole title of 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 healer, it's like I think people need to unpack for themselves. Mm, I, I really I'm so glad we on this trajectory. I'll wait. Because um, because again, the moment, you know, it's like we could carry this medicine and carry these gifts, but because of integrity and because of the importance of of the gift that you have of someone's life right like you gotta come correct and the thing is like when you're devoted to that it changes you we want to be the best of ourselves and it's an it's ongoing work you know a lot of us who are good at what we do have painful stories right? That life initiated us in particular ways early on, right? That, that we were, you know, so like, it gives us insight. It gives us like an x-ray vision where you're like, ah, right? I could smell, I smell that pattern because I have it. So, so mm. I, right? I wish more healers would say that. I smell that pattern because I have it. But the difference is knowing how to use your story. So whether you are a therapist, whether you are a practitioner of any kind, a teacher, when we're sharing our own stories, um, the why needs to be for the learning. Right. Because there are folks that make it all about them and you don't make space for, it's like, so, so always it's like, for whose benefit am I telling this story? Is it to hear when you be asking these questions, baby? I don't know. I don't, I'm like, hold on one second. Who's benefit? Am I telling <laughs> the story? I wonder about that because you know I hear a lot. I hear so much. I mean, I hear so much about everything. You know, I stopped taking things personally yesterday. I really did because I was like, it's not just me. It's everybody everybody who has a platform to say just what it is that they have to say whether they're a healer I like how you said if they're a teacher I think about teachers that are getting dragged all the time because they say something that's revolutionary and then it's like how dare you um I think about healers that people snooty and and you know I I'm going to be very honest with you I can't believe I'm about to say this um but I feel like that I pride myself on just being authentic on the show when I was growing up um, my mom had a stint in the Pentecostal church, right? And there used to be a Bible verse, and I, I, I don't want to quote it, but you're not, there's a couple of things you're not supposed to ever discuss or never question. You're not supposed to question God, the gift, or the glory. And so I'll never forget that because I feel like it's ingrained into my brain that you're never supposed to ask God a question. You're never supposed to ask people who have been given the ordainedness I don't even know if that's a word, by God. So you're not supposed to ask a preacher, you know, what's, what are they doing with the money? Or, you know, and, and you're never supposed to question 
someone's accolades. And I, I find that I don't know what life would have been like before WWW. Um, but I, I noticed now that there's a lot more information and a lot more stories get like plastered on the internet and they stay there and they don't go away. And so if you have someone that you think is amazing and you come across them and you connect and then, you know, you get inboxes or, or whatever, I think about what is the community? And this may not be a question, but it's just a thought. There is a community fragmentation that happens when it's like that person says they're this but there was this one time that they did that and so therefore equals they cannot be this and you know and I'm like wow why do we hold each other to such a high standard you know and I think about Daughters of the Dust I'm fucked up over that movie I cannot I cannot process, I, I'm going to watch it four more times. I cannot process just things that happen. And I think about Eula. She, I went to bed thinking about Eula last night because I hear it. I hear it about the healers. I hear it about myself. I hear it about people that have been on my show. Don't, don't have them on your show. Be careful, be wary. And I'm like, okay, then everybody has a story. Why are we so invested if we're all healing and if we're all on our individual collective path to healing, why are we so invested in documenting someone's past unhealing? Mm. Is this the story we need to tell ourselves? You know, you ask me questions all the time and I'd be trying to answer them in my journal. Sometimes I answer them on the internet and no one knows, but (laughs) what do we need to do differently? I'm all for call-out culture if it's going to stop the harm, but I'm not for call-out culture if it's going to end someone's life. I'm not for call-out culture if it excludes that person forever from community. I want us to actually imagine a world post-COVID, post-oppression, post And I'm not sure how we get there. And I think I've been having sort of like this question of a lot of people because I'm trying to spread the container a little bit further so everyone can get their answers in. So we could be like, hmm, these these ways, if we piece this together and we piece that together and we thread and we thread and then a tapestry might appear. I know that was a lot. I talk a lot. I'm like, I'm like, where do I, I'm like, what corner do I grab that from? <laughs> do whatever feels comfortable. I mean, one of the things that I thought about was like, we're all our own healers. Mm. We are, um, our bodies are these beautiful divine creations that sometimes when things are out of balance, this is when we bring in, you know, either the Western doctor or the plant medicine or the energy healer to remove the obstacle, to offer the support so the body can do what it knows how to do. So I think that that's that's like one of the things um, in terms of you know, we shouldn't be putting anybody on a pedestal. I would agree with that wholeheartedly. 
because we're all human with the full spectrum of our human conditions, you know, with, with the power and, and the medicine to heal and destroy. So, you know, I, and which is why I, I speak to our, and you know, like it's, it's in the bio, our individual and collective liberation. It is a parallel process. It is a parallel process because we, it's, it's in, it's in the interrupting of the, of the wounds and the suffering of our lineage, be it belief systems, behaviors, addictions, um, trauma, like all of these things need to happen individually while we're doing this collective work. Um, and it needs to be real and it needs to be intimate. And it needs to be patient. It is a it is an ongoing reciprocal relationship that doesn't have like an end. It doesn't have a, which is why someone who might, you know, like we love the beautiful stories of redemption. Yes, we in do. All of the ways, right? Um, but there needs to be space for 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 all of it. Um, and no one person is gonna fix it. And no, um, and, and it needs to happen in community, but then there's like the part that we have to take agency over our own lives and take responsibility over our, our own choices. Um, but even that individual process doesn't have to happen alone and shouldn't happen alone. Because we're not meant to do any of this alone. I wonder, how, like, I know that um, I had to log out of my Facebook post. Sorry, it's being, it's being me. People are tagging and sharing the video. So I'm very happy about that. I'm, I'm trying to share to my page and all this other stuff because I'm the show producer too. Um, what I have is this desire to be free. And I think that we all have it. And I feel like we allow our blockages to block us. And I want to know like what, you know, I, I talked to you before about a lot of people know how to go up the steps. We know that's, if we want to go up, we can either take the elevator for accessibility or the steps. But sometimes people forget the direction of how to move forward, whether it's pushing or whether it's the left, right, left, or whether it's the acknowledgement in our brain that I have to move. And so I wanted to know, like, how can someone begin unpack, like say they just coming to this conversation and they're like, I don't know what the hell is going on. This lady's talking about healing and community and pedestals and containers. And it's a lot of it's an, it's a lot of knowledge, right? What could be some tangible ways? I love the word tangible. It makes me feel sexy and whole as a person. Like what are what are some tangible tangible ways that, <laughs> that we can begin examining oneself, plugging into our joy, 
engaging in self-care and moving forward with each other in love and accountability because sometimes that doesn't go separately, right? You're so beautiful. I hate it here. You're Thank so you. fucking beautiful. I, I just up. Stop it. Stop it. Um, getting quiet. Getting quiet and with and that is the first step. Is is listening, you know? So it's like before we even start talking about propelling forward and all of these things that you mentioned. What burdens are you carrying? Mm-hmm. What needs to be unloaded and what needs to and and what has to go with you to the next part? You know, sometimes we're so quick to like propel and to move that we're not still enough to like listen to all of the ways that that our bodies, that our dreams, that our pain has been trying to get our attention. So I feel like that that is that is where it begins. Where does it hurt? Where does it hurt? And what is that pain trying to tell you? And to I'm write that down. Where does it hurt? You you want her to say it again? Once more for the, for the Ada's asking if you can say it for the people in the back, and she's in the back kitchen. So <laughs> <laughs> that's really you know, happening in real time. <laughs> yeah, like where does it hurt, and what is the pain trying to tell you? And this question is for our physical pain, for our emotional pain, for those moments that we're like in the dark night of the soul. Getting still enough and be patient enough and compassionate enough with yourself to to notice what part of you is longing for your attention. Sometimes I want to make that a pinned comment. Just a sidebar real quick, because you know I'm the queen of the sidebars. Um, Sister Priscilla Flintbank said, I need to reach out to you, and it's so good seeing you. Mm. I said, Sister Priscilla, I let her know. Uh, I miss my Boston peoples. You so much love. Yes. I think about the assignments that you give to me. I just, I go back to that. And I want to go. Years of homework. <laughs> the years of homework. I know you, I know you for quite some time. This is so bad. I leave shit at your house and you take pictures and you sit and you send it to me. And you send it to me. You're like, don't forget your list, bitch. Like, you know what I'm saying? So, and it's so bad. I'm always like, I need you. Um, you have been there for me through some very, very traumatic things I did not know. I didn't know that I was experiencing grief around a certain person and subject. And Monica called you and she was like, you need to get to Didi. And I was like, I don't want anybody in my house. I hate everybody. And I like, wasn't answering the door. I said, I'm not suicidal. I'm not, I just want to be left alone. And I was so angry. I wasn't even crying. I was so angry. I was just so mad that I had been violated so badly. And you came into my house. You made the three and a half flights of steps. And you sat on my bed. And you asked me, where does it hurt? I think you let me cry in your lap for like an hour. It, mu- it must have been an hour. It just felt like time stood still and you allowed me to grieve. 
I really don't think that people know how closely death is to grief because we are taught, you know, okay, it's a sad thing, but it's not, it's not something to grieve over. You're, you're supposed to go through the repast and, and have fun and celebrate life. And people try to push that, which is fine. I'm, I'm all for it. This is how the person wouldn't have wanted us to be. But the being still happens, even when you lose a person, whether it's a, a, an emotional sense or a physical sense. And so is that why you got involved with the current project you're working on now um, with the coffins? Can you explain to us? Because I don't want to overspeak because I think it's such an important thing. And you made me see how I look at death uncomfortably and I am surrounded by death. I'm surrounded by at least six friends that have taken their life. And a friend of mine is experiencing a loss just today in mm. which they found out, you know, the person's body, you know, floated in the water and they've been looking for this person for a month. And so is there space the same way that there is a birth and bereavement and death midwifery, right? Doula slash midwifery. Is there space for healers to be like, and this is how we can proceed and sit with death and honor it and acknowledge mm -hmm. it? I mean, we just needs time and space. It needs the remembering that it's not linear. We live in a society that when you're privileged enough to have a job with benefits, if, if you experience a death in the particular category of the five people, you can get three to five days bereavement. If they do not meet that category, you will not get paid for those days off. But you have to come back in three to five days and perform, right? And I think that we've been so disconnected from, from grief and from dying because we're expected to perform and produce through our pain. And, and one of the things that's, that's important and, um, and why I'm doing you know, this work, I mean, yeah, let us take our time and, and let us, before I start yapping away about that, like I wanna pause and, and hold space for the grief that's coming up for you. I mean, like, that's the thing. We're so quick to, okay, well, like, what's on the agenda? Um, that we don't, that, that we don't pause to acknowledge um, the life loss, the grief experience. Like, that, that these other things that are expected from you and the, and the numbness, like, that is not normal. Grief is nonlinear and, and it's important that we make space to feel it and to be held in it. I was gonna offer, I was gonna say drink some water, but wine, you know. <laughs> Thank you. Mm -hmm. Thank you for just holding the space. I don't wanna go into it, but 
it's just a mm-hmm. lot you know one of my of friends is sitting here next to me on the mantle you know yeah it's very you know I was talking to a friend about he had asked me why is it so much and I was you know I was shocked because he always is the, the quote-unquote strong one and I, I lean on him because I'm also the strong one so we just have the strong one relationship and when he told me he lost his friend, it was like, after I had told him like 20 minutes worth of shit, like, I mean, I said, why didn't you start with that? Why didn't you lead with that? And he was like, I wanted to hear something other than the news I just heard. Mm. And I, I think that that solidifies for me, the relationship that most of us, I say most, because there are people like you and others who are doing this work, but there's a relationship that we have with death that we just, we don't want it to happen. We don't want it to happen to us. Even when we do want it to happen to us, we don't, mm-hmm. you know? And um, there was a speech that I gave at the Black Women and Marginalized Gender Conference last year. And I was talking about reasons to, you know, trigger warning uh, about suicide. I was talking about reasons to delay suicide. And most of the women that I asked in the audience what was their reason? I, I didn't have to explain what I was talking about. I asked, what is your reason? If it, if it, it feels overwhelming and if it feels like you don't want to get up tomorrow and he, he, she, they broke your heart for the last time, what is the reason you haven't done it? You haven't taken your life yet. And a room full of black women told me, because I have kids. And who would take care of my children? That's the only reason why those Black women are alive today because Mm. they needed to know that and they knew that no one would do the labor of love for their children that they would. Mm. And so I feel like a lot of us have this very, very, very sordid relationship with death. And, you know, and Lisa Good and I talked about this in the very, very beginning of the series that there's no container for it. The funeral is it. That's it. And like you said, you get the three days if you're lucky. If it's someone like Kahari, I had to take vacation date, like to celebrate, you know what I'm saying? And and there was no there was no respite. There was no, there was no somebody can hold space for this. And and then life is still going on around you and people are still upset about the things that they were upset about. There's no yeah. time. There's no yeah. time in between the deaths to to hold the space and to process. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for seeing me. And I think that even what came out of that was just super important that I think a lot of people may need to hear that your feelings and grief are valid. I'm not a I'm not a grief counselor. I've just been through a lot of fucking grief. Yeah. Your experience and grief is valid. And I'm never gonna tell people, you know, Kahari was my best friend and Egypt's godfather. And I'm never gonna tell anybody, do you take all the time that you need when lovely took her life? It was you know, my job said that they were very understanding, but they weren't <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's like a, for, it's like a formality to say it. Like, it's just a nice thing to say. They weren't really understanding because I was fucked up over it and I had even flown to Buffalo. Like, and so. And grief doesn't have an expiration date. 
It changes shape, it changes form, it changes how much space it takes up in your time, but it doesn't have an expiration date. But because, I mean, being, being black and brown in this country, in addition to the personal losses that we have, you know, we're also experiencing the systemic racism um, and, and the way that expresses itself in the medical and police state. Um, so it's sometimes so much that in order to survive, we need to keep it moving because if we let ourselves feel all, all of the feelings, right? We feel like we can't, we can't take it. I worry about that. Not for myself, because mm -hmm. I, I do that weird thing where I compartmentalize, so I forget about the feelings until some traumatic shit happens. And then it's like, boom, bitch, we were still here. You locked us in the box. Mm -hmm. You forgot? And I think I worry about my friends because my friends feel so much, you know? Like, I had to tell a friend today, like, these bodies don't belong to you. If mm -hmm. you look in the mirror, it's your own reflection. Like you have to live with yourself. This is not your grief. The reasons why they're gone, whether mm -hmm. it's from COVID, whether it's from any other illness, whether it's from um, choosing to surpass their reason to delay suicide, you yeah. know, and I, I just need to know that there are people like you that are like, come, come Corazon, let's talk about it. Yeah, think and but the thing is like we we can be that for each other. We just need to how but I mean let we're having this conversation right now. And it's about having more of these kind of conversations. It's about um there's like you know, and it's and it's multi-layered and it's not like here's a checklist of the top 10 things that you can do to deal with. Right. Like, no, it's not that. It's relational, it's individual, it's intimate. It's um, it's also at a community level, an affirmation of like, this is not normal. And your symptoms, your inability to sleep and your anxiety is a normal response to some really fucked up things. Right. So I think the first thing is like, acknowledging and, and not try to shut down and not try to minimize but also like finding that balance of um of connecting of of getting help of getting support and if it's not if it's not like an immediate community you know then then talking people who are skilled and supporting and supporting you through that um because again, I'm not supposed to figure this out alone. And, and which is like one of the things that, you know, with all of the, the COVID deaths and like the non-COVID deaths, which is how this particular project was born or what inspired it. Um, and can you tell us a little bit about what you're doing? I think it's amazing. I thought it was one thing and we're gonna get into that, but I, this, this project is so important. Thank you. So um, it's called Spirit of the Earth, Carry Me Home. And 
it's which has got to be like your favorite song i swear to god every time you sing it i start crying that's that's a jam <laughs> big ups to um letta neely who who taught me the song a bunch of years ago and you know lifting up love you letta amazing amazing artist and poet and yeah amazing spirit and bless them um and so yeah um so many folks who are dying alone in hospitals uh in nursing homes um where we're not able to carry out our death rituals and practices where um like the thing that we want to do the most is unavailable to us and you know i thought about how what what impact is that going to have on these generations of people what how like how is grief going to be installed in these bodies mm. when we can't when we can't do the things that we do to give us comfort um so a couple of years ago i did this this project with the isabella stewart gardner museum um this this coffin this cardboard coffin um where I was able to kind of like make it beautiful and cover it with peacock feathers and cowrie shells and um and and lift up you know so like the prayer when I made it was like the people whose lives um whose deaths are invisibilized and the types mm -hmm. of are invisibilized right the ones that no one wants to talk about um but what would it look like now in in, in these times that we can't have our regular death rituals right so, um and we're losing we've lost our jobs I know of families who have lost more than one person, yeah. you know, to COVID. And in addition to the grief, the financial implications, I mean, I know we've all contributed to someone's GoFundMe. GoFundMe. PayPal. And, you know, and just like in addition to the loss, to this like significant loss, to have to think about fundraising $10,000, $15,000, $20,000. Um, because the other part is like, how do we, like one of the ways that we show love, and again, it's like, this is not, this is not shade, right? But this is like, you oftentimes we show love with how expensive, how much money we spend. It's like a way that we're saying, we love you and we honor you and we value you and your, and, and, and your life and your impact and all of these things. So we wanna get like the best, most expensive thing. So what happens, when the death of the person that we love the most in this world happens and we don't have a job and all of our community is losing their jobs and we can't even be together anyway we you know maybe two or three people can go to a funeral home you know so we have like all of these limitations in addition to our grief so we're grieving right multiple things at the same time um so i thought wouldn't it be like I thought it, it would be really beautiful um, for their aid to be an opportunity to alleviate that that burden, um, to do it in a way that causes less harm to the environment, um, to do it in a way that we can put our hands and our love and personalize it. And, um, and for how can we bring us together when we can't physically be together? So, so with this project, um, you know, so there would be like the, the cardboard coffin, which could be used for cremation or for burial. Um, 
a community artist would be compensated if the family chooses, you know, to like, you know, just put their medicine all over it and make beauty, you know, in right. communication with the family or the family themselves, you know, can kind of decorate the coffin um, and they could, you know, they could line it with like the person's blankets and sweaters or whatever beautiful thing. They could fill it with, um, with love notes from family and from community. I mean, right. I'm, 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 I'm imagining like, you know, I've, I've supported home funerals before where we've been able to, to cover person and flowers from the garden, you know? And what would it look like where we can feel, you know, like, you know how it is, like, it's like you spend all of these, like, hundreds of dollars on these flower arrangements and the crowns and all of that. Right, and, right. And we can't do that right now. But imagine if, if, like, the $15, $20 bouquet from the supermarket with, like, the, you know, beautiful flowers, because that's what you can afford. You bring that to the basket. Right. Or a box on that family's porch, and they're able to kind of offer that. And, and, you know, so we can do something different and we can make beautiful without having to go into debt. And like still these rituals and ceremonies like look different now because of the limitations, but we can still expand upon what it is we're trying to, who it is we're trying to honor and what part of their legacy that we re remains with. I love the idea about putting their personal belongings inside of the coffin because it reminds me of like the Egyptians and how they would just like you know the saying you can't take it with you the Egyptians is like yes the fuck you can and we gonna run the coffin like you know what I'm saying I'm like you know so mm -hmm. that's so beautiful I mean you know like one thing that that I know is that we're we're good at making beauty out of limitation like that is ingrained in our dna and but the thing is that this could be another way um post-covid to to reclaim these practices you know because once upon a time i mean the current way is not that old when you think about humanity right um so this could be an like another way of of bringing of bringing our beloveds home, and and it's not for everyone, but it's another way that's that's possible. So this will be for low income folks. Although I was like, yo, I think we like all low income right now, um, and and for undocumented. I was like, who can I scam on today? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so um, and you were saying for an undocumented folks as well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like really centering. This is a this is this is a prayer. This is like a directive from spirit, and this is an experiment that we're gonna be doing together, right? So there is a website. There is so we're you know we're collecting resources. Um, I'm gonna post a link to the website if if I have it. It's handsagayareki.com backslash. I got you. I got you. I'm gonna put it in the in the comments. Um, and you know, and also have connected with some, you know, with artists um, that'll be working with the project. And 
I'm just really excited to be of service and to and to relieve the burden, you know, for folks who are grieving and for them to feel held and loved. And you know, in the in this time of need. That was the word. That was the work. So many people. I can't wait to read the comments. It's actually titillating. Um, how many people you just touched today? Mm -hmm. And a question that I ask all of my guests um, before I let them go. You know, I got chuletas in the oven. They've been baking this whole time. I don't know. Let who them get I dry. Look, I don't, I don't know who I am now. Um, but a question that I ask all of my guests is a two-pronged question because those are my favorite kinds of questions, Lou. Mm -hmm. And the first part of it is, is there something you were surprised I didn't ask you? Or is there something that you were like, oh shit, I hope I get to talk about this and I didn't get to talk about this. And two, who would you like to see on the show? I can't. There's nothing that I'm surprised. I don't know, because I feel like we're just flowing in conversation. Yeah. I like, it doesn't feel interviewee. I try um, not to so interview thank you. people. So thank you. So, so like, thank you. Cause I feel at ease and I'm just able to be like, and like whatever falls out of my mouth. Um, and no, I think I talked about everything that I want to talk about. Yo, Toshi yes. Reagan. Who? Toshi Reagan. Toshi Reagan. Yes. Par um, Parable of the Sower Opera. Um, yeah, amazing, amazing artist and musician. Um, I'm a huge fan of Octavia Butler. <laughs> I and wouldn't have never guessed. <laughs> <laughs> um, and yeah, they're they're musical. Um, they they last night they replayed it. Um, and I think they might do it again this Friday. And I and I and I saw the show live a few years ago, and it is medicine. It is medicine. And this, um, they were interviewed on on podcasts of the end of the world with Adrian Marie Brown and and Autumn Brown. Look, you need to you need to listen to that episode. Can so, you? Oh, wait, wait, let me write it down. Hold on one second. What is? Okay, so Toshi was on the Adrian Marie Brown episode uh, podcast. Mm -hmm. Yep. The end of the world podcast. Yep. Yeah, which they recorded here in Boston. Um, so when I think, you know, this is like a prophet, a griot, you know, their their work is like is has been medicine. And I'm so happy that they exist. Um Lama Rod. You know what's funny? I'm gonna follow up on that. I'm like, I'm like, who else is giving me medicine? <laughs> we we go way back, like babies and pacifiers. Lama Rod and I. Lama Rod has been given some some good good medicine to the internets. Um, yeah. Oh, and sister girl Sadata Jackson. It's another another person. Sadata. I'm circling these so I don't forget. Uh, so Tashi Reagan, 
Mama Rod and mm-hmm. Sadata Jackson. I'm going to inbox her right now because Sadata has always given me so, 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 so much love. You know how sometimes Boston people can love on you just because you're from Boston? Sadata be like, and it's just because you are who you are. And I'm like, but we don't know each other. She was like, I know you. And I, <laughs> so Luana, this has been the most I always say that each episode of my favorite, but I don't know. Maybe I should stop saying it because it's just, they're also like different in their own ways. And, and this is just like a mind boggling like experience. And like, I come back and listen to them while I'm doing other stuff. Thank you so, so much. There's so many morsels here for people who are just joining because you were late. Um, there's so many morsels here. There's so many there's so much good juju in this conversation. And there's, as you would say, there's so much honey, honey. <laughs> you do it. This is the medicine, Didi. And I'm like, it's not the medicine. And it is. You have touched so many people. And I'm, I'm honored that we were able to have this conversation. Thank you. And you did amazing, sweetie. You're doing great, sweetie. Thank you. I wanted us to, um, for folks that are still on, like where's my where's my bell at um you know if we could just like hold you know just yes. like close out in prayer for those who are suffering yes. for those Wait, who are we closing uh, out in prayer for for those who are suffering for those who have um who have experienced loss for those who have families in the hospital for those who have who, who are holding fear um for the birthing ones right now who are, you know, who are in hospitals by themselves and aren't able to have all of the support they would normally have. So bless, bless the, the ones who are birthing and bless the ones who are coming through during these times, who chose these times to be born. You know, may we make this world a hospitable one, a nourished one, a supportive one, an abundant one. Um, you know, to be worthy of, of all of the magic that you're going to, to bring with your, with your arrival. You know, blessings to the elders, to all of those who are by themselves. Blessings to the parents who are homeschooling and home teaching. Um, you know, blessings to, to the ones who don't know where their next meal is coming from. May you be perfectly supported. To those who are scared, to those who don't know. So like my prayer is for all of those to be perfectly supported wherever you are, with whatever your prayer is, whatever your need is, may be perfectly met. Ashe. I'm so happy that I know you. And um I appreciate you coming on the show and making this episode number 29 of the full set. Thank you. Thank you. And I hope that you have a wonderful night. Thank you. I hope you love, I hope you love desert bomb. Thank you. Te amo, querida. Y yo a ti. Buenas noches. Kisses to Egypt. Bye. Bye.